We're going to go back into episode three, A Place of Safety. We're going to begin. Um, it's start to the cold open. Uh, Nynaeve is being dragged by a trollic. I remember James mentioned last time, like, I'm glad we didn't see, like, Nynaeve being a prisoner somewhere, um, which we kind of did, but this was much cooler. She was being dragged away to be eaten. It's well known that these trollics, like, eat everything. Um, she witnesses one of these trollics looks like it's getting ready to have like a moment of compassion, like, oh, my wife, are you okay? But then it like brutalizes the, uh, <laughs> brutalizes her right there. Um, these trollics are pretty brutal creatures. Can we all agree on that? Yeah. I, I have a note on this. I said yeah, trollops are, they're cannibals, AKA resourceful in war. They, they, yes, that, that is one of their strong points is like when they defeat an army, they have food right there. Yeah, there you go. That's what the United States Army should be doing. We wouldn't have to be sending over rations every time they need to eat. No, you eat what you kill, or as Gigi <laughs> Allen would say, he kills what he fucks. I mean, I guess it's a good system, but I mean, it just... This is what I wanted to bring up. This is, this is really why I wanted to bring it up, because we're seeing the Trollocs in their true form here. And if you're a dark friend, not you, James, or Jeff, but if you in general are a dark friend, these are your allies. These are the guys you're working with. For example, the peddler, Padan Fane. Um, it was obvious he was working with these guys. Uh, Whoa, he was? That yeah. wasn't obvious to me. Well, remember when they were getting, like, murdered, and we even brought it up in the podcast. Like, he just kind of casually strolled off while watching everybody get murdered. Um, and they yeah, that's him just – that's like, hey, I want to go to the Super Bowl, but I don't want to pay for it. If you just casually walk in, no one's going to say anything. It looks like you're supposed to be there. So if he just casually okay. leaves, the trollops are going to be like, oh, he's not blood-curdling scream. I guess he's with us. Mm. Well, let's just say this, James. This Trollocs are definitely tools of the Dark One. And you keep mm -hmm. saying you're Team Dark One. Yeah. And in real life, I know that you're probably not a Dark Friend, but I do know that you, that you are a Satanist. Is that correct? Yeah. The first tenet of Satanism that all Satanists must adhere to. Do you know the seven tenets of Satanism, James? Are you talking about that Levian bullshit? Get out of here. I'm saying real-to-life Satan, dude. I'm not like, oh, hey, I want to see a dude with a Van Dyke and a bald head talk about philosophy. No, I want to see Satan in his glorious form. And again, I've said it on my show. The H is capitalized. We're taking it back from Jesus and that Lord. <laughs> Jeff, uh, that's, what, uh, that's what I was going to ask. Which uh, which satanic? Because there's the satanic temple from Albany, and they're they're the ones who have uh, seven. Uh, was it three tenants or seven tenants? Something seven like that. Seven tenants. Yes. Yeah, and uh, so those I, I actually agree with most of them, and I, Me too. I and the, I support support them because they do some great stuff against uh, yeah. the uh, the uh, anti-abortion people. Uh, yeah, and they're doing some great stuff right now um, in in Texas and Florida supporting lgbtq people so Hell yeah you know. i agree with that too that's what i wanted to say to james is like the the tenets of satanism are all more or less honorable and the church itself does not act as like a a, a greedy self-serving church and you know i i like that you associate yourself with that kind of thing but if you're if you're spitting in the face of that 
saying fuck Levayism Satanism that you're doing your own thing. You're loving these Trollocs, ripping guts out and making necklaces with them. I mean, <laughs> is that where you're at? Uh, I'm, of course, I'm doing this for comedy. Like I'm, I'm exaggerating and playing things up. I know you Obviously. are. I am too. <laughs> Except I am. When I die, I hope it, it. I hope to be a spawn, like for Satan. Oh, that's yes. what I want the afterlife to be. I am spawn, and I'm just hell. I don't think I would be like the warrior for him. I would be a personal assistant spawn. That's kind of like what Black Angel is about, right? I don't know your song, Black Angel. I don't know what that is. It's a song that a Marshland Monster song. I remixed it. Um, you talk oh, about you talk oh, about transforming yourself. Yes, <laughs> I I thought it was like a TV show. That's my least favorite song on that album. So I always what Black Angel? Wow, that's the one. Yeah. I gra- that's the one I gravitated to. We you are a dark friend, and I am a child of the light. We are so different. Uh huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah, I'm gonna go back on here. I, I got sidetracked. I'm sorry about that. Did you have anything else to uh, to say about that, James or Jeff? Oh, uh, uh, to me, uh, t- just in case nobody noticed, the Trollocs really look like that uh, that one guy in Time Bandits uh, ah. um, on the on the boat that uh, they try to fix his back. Yep, it's 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 almost the same facial uh, features that they got with the horns and the the way the jaws sticks out. I didn't even make that connection. You're absolutely right. Have you seen Time Bandits, James? I haven't. Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> put it on your list. It's one of the best. It was a child-raising movie. I was moved by that. That's why I like the shit I like. It's because of that movie, The Time Bandits. You're probably going to hate I'll, the director of it, of course. Who directed that again, Jeff? I forget. Somebody great who does lots of yeah. great movies. Yeah. Um, um, he also did I- um, Real... Not Real Big Fish. Um, big. He did the uh, movie Big Fish. Yeah, and he did uh, uh, Leaving... Uh, Jeez, I'm forgetting all the names. Um, uh, Wait, fear, Tim fear and loathing, fear, fear and loathing in Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. Oh, who and is it? Baron Munchausen, and uh, I can't remember. He's one of the uh, Monty Python. Um, yeah, Terry Gilliam. Terry That's Gilliam, it. there you go. Yes. Oh, I I don't mind him. Yeah. Okay. Well, I know that you have a strong opinion against. Um, who are we talking about? We were talking about a couple directors and that I loved that are classic, like classically loved directors. And you're like, fuck both of them. Uh, oh, yeah, Kubrick and Lynch. Screw them. <laughs> Lynch is, Lynch is well, 80% for comedy. Kubrick is 100%. I don't understand why people enjoy that person. <laughs> I can I understand I why people shit. like Lynch. But right. Kubrick, two thumbs down. If I had, if I was Goro from Mortal Kombat, four would be down. And my huge hog. I have a feeling we're going to come together on this Time Bandits thing, though. That was a great suggestion. I'm glad you brought that up because I want to go rewatch that movie now myself. Um, let's get back to the Wheel of Time time, though. She takes that opportunity. We're going back to when Ineve is watching these uh, Trollocs do their thing. Uh, she takes that opportunity to run. Uh, she runs to hide in the cleansing pool. This is the same pool that she goes and hides in that they cleaned Egwene in earlier before her river trip. She was scrubbing it out fastidiously when she had that scene with Moraine earlier. So yeah, this pool is like a a sacred place and she has to use it for (laughs) her killing a Trolloc inside. Slow-mo's out of the water like a damn predator. Kills the Trolloc with its own weapon. 
This is like the third Trolloc she's killed with her hands with no weapon. She is supposed to be a healer, a wisdom of a village, and instead she's this badass. So my question is, is Nanive not a badass? So I, I, I'm sorry. So in my notes, in my notes, I got Nynaeve, a strong woman. So, I mean, to me, you know. Um, That's a badass. Yes. yes. <laughs> she is badass. When you said, is she not a badass? I was like, I need to think of how to answer this properly. <laughs> is Nynaeve a badass? I edited my question. Is Nynaeve yeah. a badass? Yes. I want to hear us all. Yes. I want to hear Titanosaur roar yes, that sir. she's a fucking badass. <laughs> oh, absolutely! And I love her coat. Her coat? I would. Did yeah. It, I can't get past her braids. I didn't pay attention to her coat. Oh, it's, first it's a great green, but it's also like a long all the way down, and it. Oh, it's I remember now. Stuff. She was wearing it when she was doing the herb thing a little later on. Yes. Oh, it'll, yeah. I'm thinking about this scene in particular, and I didn't remember her coat. Oh. I just remember her being very badass. <laughs> As she kills this trollop, trollop, as we like to say on this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, it looks like a it looks like a yin yang symbol to me in the blood that she spurts out of. Did y'all see that? Yes, I noticed that as well. I did not. I was more focused on the inst. I just kept saying they're tainting the holy waters. Yeah, and the instant that trollop would have hit that warm water, he would have just started peeing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. I like how he was like like battling the water. Like, you know they hate water. So he was sitting there like stabbing it like, fuck you, water. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, and, and what the, uh, I, I don't know if you were going to say this next. I might be jumping ahead. But uh, the, the way that the dark blood flowed into the lighter blood inside the pool, does blood do that? I don't know. It's kind of weird. <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking maybe that like the first spurt of blood was just like your everyday normal blood. And then like the the rest of the blood coming out was all that heart juice and all that like real good gutty blood. <laughs> maybe heart well, juice. Uh, wouldn't that couldn't that also be like the trollop poison or whatever? Oh, I think that's it. That's why we have you, James. Thank you. <laughs> So that that symbol like fades right into our title sequence. Um, title sequence: the first thing we see is a thread being broken. I keep telling you the world is broken, and there's proof all over the place. Um, the patterns we reweaving its weave. Uh, James, did you watch the title sequence this time? I'm glad you asked because I sure didn't. <laughs> Back in the bathroom again, eh, my friend? <laughs> you're gonna have five more chances after no six more chances after this episode to uh to watch it so we'll we'll keep checking in with you uh guys spoiler i will not (laughs) so right off the bat we got nynaeve and lan um she confronts him she says that no, he says to her that you know she needs to help moraine in order to help her friends it's one of these classic video game level up things where they, you know, it's a good plot device. It's great. Um, eventually, though, Lan gets the upper hand. And there's two things I wanted to say about this before I open up the floor for discussion. First is that Nynaeve will kill. Like he said to her, you're not going to kill me. She made a killing thrust. So Nynaeve, again, strong woman, badass, whatever you want to call her, she will kill. Second... Lan 
wasn't expecting her to do that, and yet he was still able to respond and get the upper hand. So both of these are equally badass characters. Those were my notes from that scene. Did y'all have anything? Yeah, can uh, can she lie? Yeah, she's just a wisdom. She's not an Aes Sedai. Okay, okay, then never mind. I thought it was kind of the same thing. Also then, the one of my notes here of saying, what is a warder without her wisdom, without their wisdom, uh, doesn't make <laughs> sense, because I thought just wisdom was like, oh, that's people who can do magic. That's a good song title, though. What is a warder without his wisdom? Yeah. <laughs> or a lyric, anyway. How about you, Jeff? Anything before we go on? Um... No. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. Say it. No, I got nothing. Okay. I didn't know if like you were apprehensive to bring up a very sensitive point about perhaps Rand yelling into the air, saying Egwene. Uh, Rand is yelling in this next scene. Um, They're Matt's, so stupid. I know. <laughs> the, Matt's there's trying a, to. Yeah. Go there's ahead, a please. moat around this town. Just circle the moat until you get to the entrance and like, oh, well, that's obviously where people would be meeting up. That's where what's-his-face was, the warder. Why? I thought – I truly thought the next episode would be like, hey, guys, we're here. We're smart. We circled around the town and found each other. It didn't seem like very a very hard thing to think about doing. It's just weird. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Matt, the whole time, he's questioning the logic of the whole plan. He, you know, he seems like he's kind of thinking on his feet here. He kind of doesn't want to go through with it. But we learned that, you know, Rand definitely has faith in Egwene. He wants to go where Egwene goes. I'll take that opportunity to switch over to Egwene and Perrin. They're running from wolves or doing all kinds of stuff with wolves here. Uh, it's obvious that Perrin has faith in Rand. Um, they're starting a fire. He's starting a fire, doing a shit-poor job. Egwene steps in with some magic that, you know, Perrin was not aware that she could do, but he did not seem phased by the fact that she could do magic. He was just kind of like, oh, yeah, while you're at it, can you get us some dinner, too? Um, So, yeah. Did y'all think that was weird that he just immediately accepted that? No. Uh, I didn't think twice about that, I thought okay. he knew that she could do magic because she got that braid. Well, no, that just means that she can listen to the wind, that she can predict weather, oh. and that she can heal. Like, being able to start a fire is like a – that's an Aes Sedai thing. That's not a wisdom thing. Damn. Maybe Damn. she's the dragon. I know, right? One of these four are definitely the dragon. <laughs> Maybe it's her. Um, we're going to skip them. We're going back to Nynaeve is well, now I, tied up. Yes, please. I had some more stuff on them uh-huh. hanging out. I, tr- I'm i so glad Perrin stepped in when she's like, I got to go back to town. I was like, seriously, is this what this show is going to be? Two of them are like, oh, I, she's got to be in the White Tower, so let's go there. And then she's like, well, he's not going to the White Tower. He's going back home for me or whatever. <laughs> and if they would have split up, I would have been so pissed. But I'm glad they mm-hmm. didn't. Two thumbs up there. 
And yeah. I had to remember like, oh, they were wet. So because it's so windy, that's why it would be so cold. But you couldn't see their breath. So at first I was like, it can't be that cold. <laughs> yeah, no, we're talking to a Chicago guy here and an upstate New York guy. I mean, get with <laughs> it. <laughs> Let's see, I was about to head on to, unless we have any more about that discussion, about Mm-mm. those four, we'll head back to Nynaeve then. We'll head back to the older kids. Um, Nynaeve's tied up. Moraine's in rough shape. Uh, <laughs> again, they, they just, they just want to give her all the best lines. You know, she's, she says that she better help me if I help her. Is that a demand? Nope. It's a threat, you motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Um pretty much points out that she is the one that's in the power position, not Lan. Um, she's smart enough to realize that, and she's smart enough to, um, you know, <laughs> express that fact. So we get some, it uh, looks like some real hippie magic here with some flowers and trees and herbs. She's a real earth child. Um, anything you guys want to, uh, before I get into my next topic here, anything y'all want to discuss here at this point? So maybe I missed something in the previous episodes, but why does she think that the Aes Sedai is stealing or doing something bad to the those kids? Because she just doesn't trust Aes Sedai in general. Uh-huh. Um, that's kind of like a general thing in the world is like people recognize that Aes Sedai are powerful and they can do magic. But uh, I don't know if it's really, this is not a spoiler. I mean, it hasn't been discussed in the show yet, but people are kind of leery of Aes Sedai because they can do magic and they can't lie. Everybody knows that they cannot lie and they're not able to, but they also know that they're smart enough to be able to twist their words around in such a way that they're not lying. Um, So yeah, that's why she just doesn't, straight up just doesn't trust Moraine. Well, also because... Her the last wisdom of the town right. was turned away by them, something like that, and I think that's why mm-hmm. she has distrust in them. Yeah, personal vendetta. Yep. Mm-hmm. During so, in yes. the beginning of this scene, I started chanting to Nicole, "Tie her up, tie her up," <laughs> and he did it. He heard you. Yeah, <laughs> but then he yeah, he let her free though to to help some healing. She made some uh some homemade neospore and stuck it in there. Uh, I think that'll be okay. What I wanted to go on here, though, is she was she had a nice little uh, little medicine kit there. I don't know if that was Moraine's kit or if Nynaeve had foresight before she got attacked by Trollocs to grab all her magic like teacups or whatever. But she was doing something that we call muddling um, when she was mixing up those herbs. Are any of you guys familiar with muddling? Yes. Yes. Uh, were you a bartender, Jeff? No, no, but I, I, I do have bartender friends. Gotcha. How about you, James? I've never been drunk a day in my life, so I had no <laughs> <Good> idea. <laughs> I haven't been drunk, I don't think, in 20 years. Not because I was a pre-alcoholic, just because I don't like alcohol in general. But yeah, I served it. I happily served it at a bar at Applebee's in the mall. So because we were a mall Applebee's, we got the... Uh, the elderly crowd that would do the mall walking. We got a lot of the employees in there after work. 
so old fashions were always on the menu. We were always having to muddle up the, uh, the orange and the cherries. And that's exactly what that scene reminded me of is a muddling up in Applebee's. So I want to take a quick break and we're going to talk about the Applebee's minute. Fingers crossed. <laughs> Fingers always crossed. So at Applebee's, that's where I got my start as a young man when I uh, newly divorced, had a baby. Uh, we had joint custody, but I had more or less more custody, I suppose, I guess is a fair way to say it. I was trying to let his, let his mom, Christy, do as much as she could. Um, so I was taking on a lot of responsibility. I got a job at Applebee's, my friend Naomi, who I was tight with. We both had kids that were the same age, little babies. Naomi was one of my best friends, RIP Naomi. She led a rough life. Uh, she's not with us anymore, but she is the one who opened the door to Applebee's to me. Without Naomi, I never would have gone to Applebee's. I never would have met someone uh, named Heather Freeman. We never would have flirted at work, and we never would have gotten married, and we never would have had a child named Charlotte together. Uh, in fact, this Applebee's was the place to work in, I guess it was 1998, if you were looking for a, uh, a husband or a wife or any kind of mate, because I counted, there was 11 of us that worked there at that time, meaning 11 couples that ended up getting married <laughs> at that time. Wowzers. We, yeah, there was something in the water at Applebee's. Uh, there was a fellow in the back who, I had to bring this up, a fellow named Franklin, big fellow worked in the back. And I, and I know we have a cat named Franklin that's in our family here that uh, RIP as well. Uh, mm -hmm, this mm -hmm. Franklin would, uh, they played a lot of hip hop in the kitchen. And Franklin was really into hip hop as well. And he was a very big, very, you know, had a big presence. He would whistle to every f song, damn it. <laughs> he would like he would add like a he would harmonize he would add a track but he did it all the time you could not escape the whistling sound of franklin coming from the kitchen i can't tell you how annoying that is and that's the first person i thought of who are you thinking of right now that hates whistling uh james howard kramer doesn't absolutely the first time howard kramer brought up the whistlers i was like he would hate franklin who was like mm -hmm. the best dude in the world the friendliest guy in the world and also the most annoying whistler in the world <laughs> my franklin in the kitchen would just be in a cupboard snoring that's cute yeah Do you have any he pets, was adorable Jeff? do i have any any pets yes is that the question yep. oh yeah i got, got two dogs Cool. Um, Sadie and Sammy. Now they which is, they accompany you on your Sunday morning zins. Is that correct? Uh, sometimes yes, yes, yeah. I usually I usually film those when I am out walking them in the mornings. Yep, I've seen them before. I just wanted to bring <laughs> them into the conversation because I love those like Sunday morning videos you put out. I like them a lot. I recommend them for little, anybody little, listening. Yes, a little pause before you turn up the loud music. <laughs> All right, Applebee's is over. We're back. Um, she mentions the water bond. Is this the first that we've mentioned the water bond in the show, guys? I th I don't remember it. Uh, it doesn't sound familiar. Okay. 
Well, Nynaeve kind of explains here. She says, I understand that the uh, warder has a strong bond with her Aes Sedai. Oh, this, is gonna, this is going to hurt Moraine, so, you know, brace yourself. This is going to hurt you, too. So she makes, like, a little raspberry pie there on her chest and squeezes juice out. It looks terrible. Um, Lan does not even <laughs> flinch. <laughs> I don't know if that's an actor's choice. <laughs> <laughs> or if we're supposed to know that Lan is indeed a real badass. Uh, did you guys have any thoughts about that? Well, I, I, it, the, the camera did sort of close in on his face a little bit, and it could see a small flinch. But yeah, he was, I think, showing how strong he was, I guess. Uh, I'm, yeah, that's, he's, that's what he's supposed to be, is a stoic warrior that flinches at nothing. How about you, James? Anything at this point? Yeah, I when she like went <clears throat> on the wound, I said, "Oh man, she's just getting in that pussy." And Nicole goes, "Don't say it like that, James." <laughs> yeah, I agree. Don't say it like that, James. <laughs> Too bad I did. <laughs> and you said it again on film. <laughs> this isn't film. Right. This is ones and I zeros, can, baby. I I can see y'all. This is film to me. Oh yeah, again. All right, so next scene we got here, uh, we got Perrin waking up from a storm. He's fully clothed. He's in a nice house, so we're pretty sure this is a dream immediately. I, mm-hmm. I, was, I was confused just for, like, the first time I saw this, I was confused for, like, a brief half second before I realized, oh, yeah, he's being chased by wolves right now. Um, that didn't fool either one of you guys, though, did it? No. Because immediately I saw in the window, okay. I was like, oh, sir, there's a freaky out there because, it, like, you could see two red eyes. I was like, that's not a glare on the, the window. That is someone out there. <laughs> okay, yeah, so it's a dream, obviously. He's, uh, we see at one point and he gets superimposed with that, that ember-eyed man. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's how Perrin um, described him in the last episode. He said he has eyes like ember, which, of course, he's, that's his frame of reference because he's a, a blacksmith um he sees layla it's a pretty creepy scene got a wolf eating layla's chest out she looks at him i'm no dream expert but <laughs> what does that mean when someone is eating a woman <laughs> well it's it, and, it wasn't her chest that was towards her womb i thought yeah yeah that, that wolf was like going to town eating all the all the innards but yeah, my joke didn't fall over. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> I'm used to that. We wake up, though, and Egwene is like, hey, we're getting chased by wolves now. Um, they are burning calories because not only are they running and walking and not getting a lot of food, but they're also, like, panicked and scared. And mm-hmm. you know that, like, really gets your, like, metabolism going. I mean, really gets your blood pumping. So they are in fit shape right now. Um Running through some beautiful scenery. I think Maybe that's, that's why I have good scene. metabolism because I'm constantly anxious and in a state of panic. Yeah. That's what I wanted to bring up is like when I'm going through like my, you know, my mood swings, ups and downs, especially when I'm up and I have my manic energy. I mean, I just burn calories right off just without even thinking about it, just by being myself. Um so yeah, I, these guys must be in great shape running around scared from these wolves. And the wolves, uh, wolves and Trollocs have one thing in common. They love to run through the woods and chase people. And <laughs> James, if you were in this Wheel of Time world, would you 
I think, you know, you wouldn't be exactly hanging out with a Trollocs because um, I don't think they really take friends. But would you who would you rather run through the woods with? Oh, man. I, I, I mean, the guess, wolves might attack you, but the yeah. Trollocs may or may not be your friends. It's kind of a gamble. I, am I scratched like Perrin is? No, you're you dropped into this world and you get the choice okay. of like, yeah. I would probably go with the Trollocs just because they're more human-like. Right. So you want to run and I'd be like, them hello, and like friends? And join, and join their crew, right? Yeah. I'd be, right. oh, how do you do? Uh, I'm new here. Can you please show me around? I, I actually, I agree. That was my answer, too, because I think wolves would run a lot faster, and I wouldn't be able to keep up with them, so it wouldn't be as fun. I'd be like, hey, wait up, guys, but the Trollocs, I think I could like hang with the big guys in the back. There you go. <laughs> Jeff. Now that we finished talking about Wheel of Time, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about um, Matt and Rand coming into town later. Uh, we ran out of time this episode with all the fun we were having. But Jeff, will you give us one more time? Who are you and what do you got going on? Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm Jeff with Titanosaur and I've got lots of stuff going on. Uh, just find me over uh, Titanosaur Rocks on any of the socials. That's uh I've got that same ID everywhere. And uh, on Bandcamp, titanosaur1.bandcamp.com. Why one? Because somebody else picked Titanosaur. <sighs> and I don't know who because they don't have anything up there. <laughs> Bastards. Uh, so titanosaur1, the number one, dot .bandcamp.com. And uh, yeah, new album's been out there since February, so check it out. And what we last discussed with Jeff from Titanosaur, we were last discussing... Uh, Perrin having his strange dream and then he wakes up and he's he's being chased by the wolves with Egwene. That's the last scene we discussed in the last episode. So we're going to pick up now with Matt and Rand. And this is how we're going to do this, James. We have three storylines going here. We got Matt and Rand. We got Perrin and Egwene. And then we got Nynaeve, Moraine, and Lan. So we're just going to talk That's about Matt people. and Rand all the way through right now, okokay? All right, hell yeah. I, I don't know if that's going to change your note order or not. It, it is going to change my note order, but I think it would probably work a lot better this way. Mm -hmm. Word. All right. So the first time we see Matt and Rand, first words I think out of Matt's mouth is, shit is cold. I mean, you know, funny talk, funny guys. Beautiful scenery, but they walk upon that village. There's a fella in a cage and he's dead. Whoops. Let me repeat that over. <laughs> Placement is key. What the hell is happening here with this notebook? <laughs> I'm just not going to be able to you, see your face, James. That's just the way it's going to go. <laughs> you literally took your you took your notebook, put it around one side of the mic stand. <laughs> Then over the top of the mic stand, yes. just to end up exactly where you started. <laughs> well, I don't care anymore. I don't care if you don't see me and I don't see you. I just want to see my notes. <laughs> but that means I Go won't be it. able to see you yawning and I won't be able to see you rolling your eyes at me and stuff like that. So feel free to make all those facial tics where you're like shaking your fist at me and 
making like the, the cut across your throat sign like, Ugh, Steve, next to Messiah, I'm going to kill you. I'll just start audibly making my <laughs> normal gestures on the face. That'll be just like last week because I could not see you or Jeff last week. <laughs> Wait, you couldn't? No. All right. I didn't tell anybody because I didn't want to appear to be more of a fool than I actually am. <laughs> wow. Well, yes. So here we go. We've got beautiful scenery except for the guy in the cage. Uh, this guy was put in this box slash cage, tortured and taunted by the people of this town. I'm glad we didn't have to see that scene. Um, but we're hearing like some uh, harmonica music, some Dalton Wilcox theme music. Sounds like the Wild West out there. Uh, Matt spies something shiny. Looks like something he wants to steal later. Uh, they come through town again. It's a very cramped town. Got some cramped sets here. Yeah, no offense against the filmmakers, but they could have spaced things out a little bit in my opinion. Um, well, no, I think this is a village in a, like, crevasse, so right. it has to be kind of packed in. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's just a personal fault because I'm seeing it all too often in this show, and I don't mind leaving it in there and saying that. <laughs> there, every set seems like it's cramped up and everybody's kind of crammed together. Um, Population density is key. I've said it before <laughs> and I'll keep saying it. All right. All right. I guess I can see it both ways. I like to kind of change my opinion sometimes to see a different perspective. Um, let's see. Matt and Rand don't really seem too out of place in this town, but everybody is kind of giving them the stink eye a little bit. I uh, walk into the bar uh, greeted by Dana. She's played by Azuka Hoyle. Uh, she seems super cool, you know, when a character has a nose ring and they got to be kind of a cool character. She's got those eyes mm -hmm. that kind of took my heart. I mean, I thought she had very interesting eyes. Let's just say that. Um, and in comes the Gleeman, Tom Marilyn. Can I quickly say something for the listeners? When you said she's got very interesting eyes, you pulled your notebook up to, I guess, see if my eyes agreed with that. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, I, I, uh, maybe it was just an involuntary reflex because mm -hmm. Dana is a, a quite beautiful bar bartender, I'll say. And those eyes, just like another character we'll meet later on in the show, uh, she just had eyes that just kind of filled the whole screen up. And, you know, mm -hmm. you have the nose ring in there too. You got a cool character. She seems cool and laid back too. Um, not the Gleeman, the guy singing this song here is Tom Marilyn, played by Mr. Alexandra William. Uh, this is the kind of guy that can hold the attention of an entire room with little to no effort. Uh, he plays in kind of like a angry slash tired style, but he's pretty much an amazing performer. Uh, not a great guitarist, but I mean, he knows exactly when to play and when not to play. Uh, I couldn't, I can't say anything better about this. I, I loved this scene. Um, before I get into the lyrics, James, did you love the scene as much as I did or is it just me? I think I just hated that dude in, in the beginning. <laughs> and I said this earlier before we started recording that this episode is all about prejudice. That's mm. what you're, it, that's a theme, especially in this last half right. where things and people aren't what you heard or what you see of them. So I like that 
we are already getting off of like, yeah, this person's really cool. Oh, man, this person's a scoundrel. But then <laughs> later on, we are made the fool for thinking that. Right. So, yeah, this guy's lyrics are... I'll, Wait, can, yeah, please. can I say one more thing? Of course. Throwing shade at the dude's guitar work. Oh, no, no, not throwing shade. I'm just, he was very minimal with his guitar work. That's that's not what he was on stage to do was play guitar. He was, mm. you know, it's his, it's his just presence that was no shade intended at all. He's probably a better player than me. But like I said, he knows exactly his limitations and how to play. Uh, it reminds me of... um. We were just listening before we recorded. We were listening to um, Kid Cudi's version of How Do You Sleep at Night, the Nirvana song. He does like a version of that too. And it's it does an amazing version. And Heather was like, I got to see how he does this last verse because, you know, Kurt Cobain goes off on this last verse and screams. And when Heather tries to sing it, she throws her voice out. I want to see what Kid Cudi does. Kid Cudi just takes it low and just takes it chill. He doesn't try to sing outside of his range and he uses his voice. There's no auto tune because you can, you can hear where he's fucking up. Mm -hmm. Um, but it's just a, I think that's, I think it's good to know your limitations and be able to being able to like not <laughs> overdo something that you can't actually do. <laughs> Man, the kids on kids, Bob should listen to what you have to say. I know kids take notes. I took notes of some of the lyrics of his song. Um, he talks about the world breaking. He talks about being a prisoner of his own making. I, I can relate. The man who can't forget is what the song is called. So, so automatically we know that the, uh, that the dragon is not Rand or Egwene because they both forgot about the berries. And if they were the man that cannot forget, well, they wouldn't have forgotten about that. The truth that is is pain. Um, that made me think about Aes Sedai's, of course. Um, and truth that is pain. Uh, yeah. Did you have any thoughts about any of his lyrics or the song itself before we move on, James? I did not. And he exits from the crowd. Everybody loves him. He uh, comes up to Matt and Rand's table uh, asking for donations. And it appears that Matt got pickpocketed by some fellow. Tom pickpocketed the guy back and kind of uh, flaunted that to Matt and then decided to hang on to that purse of money. Uh, did I get that right, James? Yeah. And screw all these people because later on. No someone shit. They, he's <laughs> like, hey, I got to get back home. Matt does. I got to get back home whether I have to beg something steal whatever he right. says and what's her face goes the bartender says oh i'd reconsider that last one because you'll end up in the cage how come that dude who pickpocketed didn't no. end up in the cage <laughs> exactly the pickpocketer should have been there maybe even the gleeman for hanging on to the money mm -hmm. i guess because um the gleeman kept his mouth shut because he knew that that guy would get put in the cage for that offense. Mm -hmm. So maybe that was a, an honorable um, decision on Tom's part. It, Tom does not come across well. And on that, I, when you go downtown, uh, like in Chicago or probably all major cities, there'll be some people on 
corners being like, hey, rap music, rap music, just like handing out CDs. But if you're like, oh, yeah, I'll check this out. When you grab it, they're like, that's five dollars. And it's like you (laughs) should be saying that in your pitch, like five dollars for a rap CD. But it's to guilt people into like, oh, I took this. Uh, Okay, fine. I'll I'll hand this over. Same thing with like any kind of street performer that like if you uh, if you stop for a few minutes and watch and enjoy like somebody playing the trumpet or somebody playing like the bucket drums or something, you're expected to tip them. Like if you don't want to tip anybody like being a street musician or a street performer, don't look at them and just walk right past Mm -hmm. them. Because if you stop and enjoy what they're doing, you pretty much owe them, (laughs) you know, for that that enjoyment. That's what they're there for. I don't I don't know. I'm just if, I, what I'm trying to say is I'm just trying to curb that behavior of like somebody standing there watching them for five minutes and then smiling, saying, oh, you're doing great. And then just walking off. I mean, that <laughs> I think that leaves an impression on the performer. Nah, I think as if you're a street performer, you should understand like, hey, I'm doing this out in public. If someone it, also it could be like, hey, I want to check this out. I don't have any cash on me. Well, I right. can't. So if I think it's should be understood that some people will enjoy it and if if someone stops for five minutes and that also even if they're not going to pay that will be like oh they're stopping i i'll stop as well and then if there's a nice little group around you that first person who might not pay will start that group and other people will eventually pay okay yeah point taken there's some it all back. <laughs> it, during the summertime in Chicago that when I worked downtown and I would scoot around just during my lunch break mm-hmm. on a push scooter, there was this like trio. It was a a singer guitarist, someone on like a small drum kit, and then I believe someone on keyboards. And they would be near one of the bridges just rocking out, and I'm like, damn, they are really fucking good. Yep. Anytime a Richmond show, um, hap- a big Richmond show will happen, um, there's always, it seems like it's the same like three kids that show up with their bucket drums. And it's just bucket drums, but one of them has cymbals, one of them has like a bigger drum, and one of them has a smaller one. And they're fantastic. It's <laughs> same thing. Um, but yeah, they know exactly when to show up and when to do their thing. <laughs> Hell yeah. Pretty smart. So I was going to mention in the fan edit, of Wheel of Time, which is available on YouTube, W O no, Wheel. It's, what is it called? W O T Fan Edit. That's what you got to search up. This scene is. This scene goes like this. Uh, Tom comes up to Matt and Rand, asks for a donation. Matt pats down his pockets. Notice he doesn't have his money on him. Tom turns around, gestures to the guy who just pickpocketed Matt, tosses the money to Matt, and says, you know, a gift from the Gleeman. In other words, like, the guy saw, the, Tom saw the guy pickpocket Matt, pickpocketed the guy back, and then gave the money right back to Matt, which is more in the character of a Tom Marilyn than what we saw on this show. That's how did they get that footage or did they just make their own footage? No, they just re-edited the footage around with what they had. And they they have the audio, they have the video, and they can redo whatever they want with it. Damn. Well, not whatever they want, but you know, 
that's exactly how they did it. Uh, check it out yourself. It's on YouTube as a one minute clip. It'll take one minute of your time. W O T fan edit. <laughs> Actually, I should put that scene in the fan in the uh, show notes. So anybody listening can see that scene mm-hmm. and see what a huge difference that makes. Mm, but then I guess the scene at the end wouldn't have played out the same. Yeah. We'll see how they do that in the fan edit. Uh, Matt's pretty pissed by this. Rightly so. I'd be pretty pissed if I was Matt. Uh, he goes over. No, they both go over to talk to Dana. They just kind of waltz into the kitchen. Um, I've never done that. They just waltz into the kitchen and started talking to whoever works there. Um, she's making the stew. Did you notice that she was taking all the leftovers from the uh, patrons and like just dumping it right back in the stew? Yeah. Uh, chopping up gross crap, putting in there. Um, she's got a great style though. Uh, <clears throat> they want to work for a place to stay. So she leads them over to the wood pile, uh, leads them to their work. Matt digs her. He's checking her out. Uh, Rand lets us know that Matt actually prefers older women. He makes a, a reference to like, I thought Moraine was more your type. So obviously off camera, you know, Matt made some kind of mention that he digs Moraine to Rand or something. Letting us know that Matt generally likes older women, but he'll make an exception for Dana. Uh, he also does not care to chop wood with Rand. Uh, we learned that Rand's not the only dickhead in this show. Uh, Matt says, this is all a bloody joke. He, <laughs> he drops this little knowledge. Egwene and Perrin are probably dead. And he says it like without much of a care in the world. I thought that was a quick turn of character mm-hmm. on the previously on. If you saw the previously on to this show, they show you Matt's mom saying, you're a prick, just like your dad. And I think that's why that scene was here, because Matt is impre- isn't indeed a prick, yeah. just like his dad. <laughs> uh, should I go on, or do you have anything to add there? Um, no, I, I took kind of minimal notes on this, just, or later on I'll have more, but I was just enjoying it. Okay, yeah. Yeah, me too. I mean, even though it was a big turn of character, it was interesting to watch uh, Rand and Matt's back and forth because usually I'm loving Matt and like, you know, Rand is being douchey and this was the exact opposite. I thought it was – this was another case where I'm like, oh my god, guys, just I hope how – you know, one party's like, well, we should go to the White Tower and then – Oh, because they're probably yeah. there. And then the other one's like, well, we should go back because they're probably there. But also, like, why didn't you guys have this foresight of just going around to the moat? Uh, <laughs> and I'm right. glad when Matt was like, oh, she wouldn't. Why would you go there? She wouldn't do it for you. And then it gets mm-hmm. cut to, hey, yeah, I'm doing this because I think even though he wants to go back home, he's going to do this for me. So they're both doing it for each other. And then they'll find out that, you know, they're, they're in love with each other. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm glad you picked up on that and you're along for that ride. I was thinking the exact same thing. Um, Matt makes it clear. He's not going to clean any latrines. He's not going to wash anything. He doesn't wash sheets. He sleeps on them. He uh, lies to say he's a horse trader with no horses, no one cares. Uh, I love how Dana puts him down right here. Mm-hmm. Decides to make a public mockery of his lie. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good choice. 
Uh, I yeah, I think it was a good choice for her to make to get like um, an endearment from Matt as well. Because, you know, she probably knows that Matt's a wise ass. And she's like, yeah, a wise ass loves a wise ass. So she was just playing into that character. Uh, let's see. He then decides he's going to help by serving drinks. So he serves exactly one round of drinks before he takes another break. Mm -hmm. Gets a small tip. For some reason or another. Um, I don't know. The way that he and Dana were sitting there at the bar. All sweaty and like close to each other. I got some real fuck vibes at that point. Um, they're talking about real stuff. Um, she's respecting that he left. And yes. She makes the point that. Don't steal or you'll end up in that cage as well. Am yeah, I moving like she, on, James? Uh, well, she was just, like, giving complete, like, hey, uh, everyone in this town I knows me and thinks I'm gross, and I know everyone in this town, and I think they're gross. I'm down to F, so please, yes. please. And these boys are <laughs> like, no, no, for one, uh, one's just oblivious to the fact, or because right. he likes older women, and then... The other's like, oh, no, I'm in love with Nani. Is that who it is? Or Egwene? It's Egwene. Okay. Egwene. Yeah, totally. Uh, and, yeah, she has ulterior motives, of course. She's not just trying to hook up. But at this point in the show, that's what it, yeah, that's what it appears. Mm -hmm. that she's just trying to do something different, trying to have some fun and some different guys coming to town. It's perfect opportunity. So, yeah, she's, like, so psyched about it. She gives them a room upgrade. She's like, yeah, y'all can stay in this room. She assumes that they're a gay couple and she's like, yeah, y'all can like fuck in here and make as much noise as you want. Um, he and you know, at that point they just have a drink together. Uh, she's okay with drinking on the job. Are you okay with drinking on the job, James? You don't drink at all, but are you okay with, uh, inebriation on the job? I generally am not because you did ask the first podcast. Well, the second podcast idea that you had for us was, to uh, what's it called what's it called listen to like do a stoner metal mm -hmm. podcast well stoned and i was like i don't do that but <laughs> we i convinced nicole to do a watch along for three ninjas high noon at mega mountain and i was like would you want to be high while we do it and we just don't tell anyone until like it hits so ah. In a in a week from now, if you're a $10 patron over on patreon.com forward slash MLM pod, you will hear. And I feel bad because most of the beginning is like, man, it's so the music is so loud. I can't hear you or the vocals. And Nicole's like, it's fine, James. Like, I can hear everything. What is wrong? And then in retrospect, I'm like, oh, that's because of being inebriated. <laughs> Yeah, some jobs I think it's okay to be inebriated on. Like if you're a bartender in a tavern in the middle of nowhere, I think it's fine to drink mm -hmm. on the job. Most jobs like cutting wood, like Rand was doing, you probably you probably don't want to be inebriated while you're doing that. I think it's um, I think it's okay to be tipsy, but I don't think it's mm -hmm. ever okay to be shit faced on any job. Hell no. Oh my god, that's the worst. And yeah, I I've been privy to that, not personally, but I've been around shit faced people at work. It's, it's no good for anybody. So yeah, having a beer too with one of her patrons, it's, it's, it's called, uh, it's called networking. That's what she can tell yeah. their boss. <laughs> 
So let's see. Next up, uh, with Rand, that is, and Matt. Matt is approaching the court, a corpse. <laughs> of course, he's approaching the corpse at night. Um, it's pretty apparent he's there to rob it. Tom shows up as well. <laughs> we get some real heavy Western music vibes on this. I told you mm -hmm. I love the music in this show, and I do. But I think this harmonica was a bit heavy-handed. Um, Tom's there to bury the guy, though. And we learn a lot in this scene. Um, so, yeah, before I get into some learning aspects, did you have any, uh, any notes on this scene with uh, Matt and Tom? No, just that I'm I'm glad they they're showing him as a nice guy and I I don't know I after watching this episode I like the the twist of uh, how they wanted us to perceive people and mm -hmm. flipping the script the juxtaposition yeah absolutely they yeah, okay they talk about that here um, Tom can read people like a book. He knows Matt. He knows where Matt's from. Um, they talk about the Aiel, the guy that was killed. And Aiel have this reputation as being vicious killers. Some people say they're as bad as Trollocs. And of course, Tom lets us know that they're just people, that this Aiel was not around to hurt anybody. He was just there. Mm -hmm. He was misunderstood by the town and they taunted him, caged him, killed him. Wait, wait, is the Aiel – okay, we're not to that storyline yet, but I'm just now piecing this together possibly. Are the people we end up meeting with Perrin and Nani or Egwene, are they that people or it's a different no. people? Okay. Those are the Tuathawan, and they're talking about the Aiel, and he makes mention, and they do like a, a nice um, insert shot – of the red hair. And they say that like, you know, they're known for their red hair. Mm -hmm. Anybody who has red hair is an Aiel. And who do we know in this show that has red hair? Can you think of anybody? <laughs> no. Oh boy. <laughs> you have to remember, I watched this with like my tinted glasses on for blue light. So you just have to tell me who has red hair. <laughs> Well, everybody knows, but I'm going to tell you, James, just next time you watch, just pay attention to who has the red hair. <laughs> just tell me who has the red hair. Oh, it's Rand. Rand has red hair. Oh, okay, okay. Wait, he <laughs> he's does? A super, he's a super pale, super redhead. Yes. He I've looks always, like uh, Max Beasley. I've always thought of him as like, bl like blondish, not red. Oh, I think the I think with the lighting job they do, they accent his red hair in some scenes. All right, I've I've had this conversation <laughs> on. I think this movie's gay. I was like, yeah, you know that person has this color hair, and and Corwin was like, yeah, I have blonde hair. I was like, Corwin, you do not have blonde hair, and he's like, yes, I do, James. I was like, I'm looking at your hair right now. There's some like blonde accents to it, but it is not. It's it's brown, and he's like, no. James, what are you talking about? <laughs> Maybe you should like have like an addendum in your writer. Anybody who works with me on a podcast cannot bring up the subject of color ever. Mm -hmm. Of <laughs> hair. It can be color of hair. Yeah, because we got to talk about the, the colors of the uh, Aes Sedai, of course. And you're going to have to take your glasses off at some point when you're watching this show because they do put color tints on scenes to make you think 
to make to reference a certain color during a scene well, to accent a certain mood. Most of the time I have my just like slightly tinted ones and even with the lightly tinted ones or I'm pretty sure if I t- remove them I would still say Rand does not have red <laughs> hair at all. Tom says the Aiel are known for their red hair, and we know another character that has red hair definitely. His name is Rand. Okay, uh, yes, we talked about the stories, the veiled Aiel. Um, Matt needs money. Um, <laughs> we almost forget in the middle of this scene that this is the same guy that Matt knows has Matt's money in his pocket, but they're still having this conversation and talking about all this deep crap. Um, okay. Matt has his chick. Yes. One of the scenes, like early scene, I'm seeing he has red hair. But then in another photo, a screenshot that I have, he does not have red hair. So sometimes it's brown, sometimes it's not. Like this picture I'm looking at right now, absolutely brown hair. And then pictures, you know, illustrations, I'm guessing, from Wheel of Time, he has straight up. And I truly hope. This is not a spoiler that just by Googling Rand Wheel of Time. No, because they made a point about that red hair. And it was very obvious that Tom ran his hands through the guy's red hair. And he even talked about red hair. Um, I I thought it was obviously a reference to Rand, but I could be wrong about that. I'm not wrong about that. Oh, yeah. You (laughs) know the show and the book, so... He he has red hair in the books. I will admit to that. But in this show, <laughs> I don't you. know. He and Corey, thank you for that admission. <laughs> uh, okay, so Matt takes that cool crystal and takes <clears throat> a little cool wooden fox figurine. Uh, I liked it. We're going to take note of that, that Matt has that little fox figurine on his person now. Um <laughs> and then Tom informs Matt after he robs him, well, if you're going to rob him, you're going to have to bury him. Mm-hmm. I think maybe if you told Matt that ahead of time, Matt might have just kind of sauntered off and said later. <laughs> Does he take that rose quartz? Yes. Okay, because I'm pretty sure that is that's going to bite him in the ass just as hard as the dagger is going to in the future. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he keeps picking up these items off dead bodies and off of uh, haunted <laughs> cities. Mm-hmm. It's it's not good stuff to carry around. Can I guess what will play? How it will play out? Sure. They will meet this group of people, and this rose court is like an identifying mm-hmm. factor yep. of this <laughs> group of people. They'll see that and be like, "Oh, the only way you would get that is if you had killed one of us." And then, mm-hmm. oh. Matt, you're in trouble, and now Rand, who uh, I guess has red hair, is... uh, uh, Wait, no, because then they'll see his red hair Mm -hmm. and be like, "Uh, do you vouch for him? You are... Man, yeah. I mean, those are obvious conclusions to make based on what we have here. Completely obvious. And then maybe Matt will pull that fox thing out and be like, hey, wait, wait, wait. I got this fox thing. And they're going to be like... That's even worse. <laughs> You're even more of a son of a bitch. And then he's going to pull out the dagger and they'll be like, please leave now. <laughs> Get out of here. You have cursed <laughs> us all. <laughs> We're going back to Rand and Dana. Rand is telling some fake stories to Dana and he's not very good at telling fake stories. 
Um, Dana dropped some good information here during this dialogue. Um, we're talking about the Wheel of Time. We're talking about places she wants to see in their world, things like the Stone of Tear, uh, the Lion Throne of Andor, an ogre steading, maybe a Trolloc itself. She gets lost in the conversation. Um, she wants to make out with Rand, and Rand, you know, pretty quickly, you know, moves back. And the mood switches real quick. Um, there's a quick switch where she shuts the door. Um, she makes a reveal that she has the braid in her hair just so he might, she might remind Rand of Egwene. How do you know Egwene? Then shit gets really quick, quick. Then shit gets quick, real, quick, real. <laughs> you got it, man. You got it. The, yes, the, I got this. The and audience she, uh, understands what you meant. <laughs> she pulls a weapon on the guy, um, holds him hostage there and says that she need. that's the reason they have the quiet room, obviously. Um, she she had an agenda here. And obviously her agenda was to make out with either Rand or Matt and keep them hostage in this room and she's gonna she says that she called a fade and that he's coming on their way to get them i think she tells she says this later so let me mm -hmm. not skip ahead um yeah yeah i can't skip ahead yet right now he's just trapped in the room and we have that we had that assumption that dana was just this sweet homespun girl that you know just liked to have fun and like to run her bar and she's been living there all her life obviously mm -hmm. but we're she is not at all what she seems <laughs> um, just like uh, who was it? Was it juice world that said uh, evil girls got the prettiest face. We're going to go back to Matt and Tom at this point there. Um, did you uh, catch that when Tom said to Matt, um, you know, may he always find water and shade. I think I was mainly focused on when he said, Hey, hope not to see you in a cage someday. No, it was more like um, he said it to the, the dead Aiel. May you find water and oh, shade okay. in the afterlife or something like that. And I didn't know if you caught that um, farewell or not. And said, hey, water and shade. That's what me and Steve always say to each other because we're best friends. <laughs> so, um, oh, you did. Okay. When you said I was shaking my head, no, then I, I had my eyes closed. And then when you said best friends, I open, I was shaking yes. And then I opened my eyes to see, oh, Steve didn't see that because he had his notebook <laughs> in front of the camera. <laughs> I always ignore my best friends. I put like a big shield between me and them at all times. <laughs> sometimes it's a physical shield. Sometimes it's a mental shield. Uh, we see that Matt... Uh, slyly stole back from Tom because Matt asked Tom, Hey, can I get my money back? By the way, Tom's like, sure. Why not? But Matt being the scoundrel that he is, has already pickpocketed right back it off of Tom. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. I thought he so, you know, threw it back at him. Nope. Uh, let's see. Okay. Back to Rand. Here's the important stuff. Rand turns into a friggin' He-Man, <laughs> busts that door down, uh, runs through town. Okay, he turns into He-Man, and then Dana turns into the T-2000. While, did you catch that while she was running through town, looking dead at the camera mm -hmm. with that face, and then with her arms like the T-2000? Um, <laughs> I thought that was a very unnecessary shot, because we know she's just a girl in the town there. We know she's not some super villain she's she's just a girl but 
I don't know. I guess I guess they had to hammer the point home that she is indeed evil and she can fuck it up. Um, she says a bunch of crazy stuff. She says that she has seen the five of them in their dreams, and she says five, and Matt says five. Um, can I? I don't want. Yeah. I don't want nerds coming at you in the comments. It is a T one thousand, not a two thousand. Okay, well, nerds come at me. I, I got it close. Yeah, you, you, know. you could say like, yeah, because it's <laughs> from T2, Terminator 2, Judgment Day, bitch. Yeah, I got it, I got it wrong with a purpose, okay? <laughs> so let's see. Yeah, she says a bunch of crazy shit. She starts talking about Ishmael. She starts talking about the dragon, how the Dark One wants the dragon to break the wheel, wants the dragon to, to aid the dark one to work together. She's called an eyeless and a fade is on the way. Um, that's like one of those, uh, toothy face guys in his group of Trollocs. Um, she's gotten on her cell phone and, and gave them a call and they're on the way at this point. Uh, so, b before she started, yeah. like she was about to start revealing this. I'm like, is she an instrument of the dark one? Hell yes. Yeah. I was actually thinking that she was going to reveal that she was like one of the dark ones minions right there. And that she might've been like a, cause they talk about reincarnation and coming back. And I was thinking maybe she's somebody that has come back, but she's a mortal. Uh, she is a mortal. I should say, mm -hmm. cause she got killed right there by Tom. But when she gets killed and she bleeds that blood, she bleeds some of that cool, um, dark friend, black blood did you notice that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. just like a trollic so even though she was a little kid in this village she was born there like she became a dark friend and that evil i guess festered into her being somehow like physically um did you have any thoughts about that yeah so when she's like oh that's what the the i said die make you think that we're going to kill you but we're here to save and i was like yes i'm vindicated the dark one is here to save and the Aes Sedai want to mm -hmm. continue suffering so they can sit <laughs> up in their white tower looking over and ruling the world i had a feeling that that you would feel vindicated with her speech there i was thinking about you there and i I can't argue with that point. I I cannot, and I'm not going to. So, but <laughs> hey, she finally got something hard inside of her baby. Yeah, oh, yeah, baby. <laughs> Too bad it was Tom's dagger, baby. They run off with Tom. They're going east. They're going east fast. Um, yeah. Do we have time to go into a Gwen and Perrin's story here, James? Yeah, I think we do. They they don't do much. Nah, not really. Um, they run into the Tuathuan. Uh, let me back up just a wee bit so I make sure I don't miss anything. The wolves brought them to these tracks in the road, and they're oh. like, "I guess the the wolves were taking us there." <laughs> and they're like, "All right, let's let's start heading out. Let's go this way." And then when they get to that the base of a mountain, the parents like, "I'll go and." Egwene uh, says, "No, <laughs> right. no, no, no. Uh, we go together. This you don't need to protect me. It wasn't your fault of what happened." And he's like, "It is. It is." And then a tear rolls down his cheek, and mm. she's she hugs him. But you want to know what? <laughs> if the adage, the the saying is true, all's fair in love and war. Well, I guess. It's not his fault what happened, except I do believe that's an outdated <laughs> term now because there are war yeah. crimes now. And 
if you like go up to someone who's in a relationship and you're like, well, I like that person in the relationship. I, I'm going to try and break them up. I'm going to manipulate the situation. All's fair in love and war. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> yep. Yeah. You brought up the fact that she that he said she said it's not your fault. It's not your fault. We know, of course, it is his fault. He even tells her so. He says it is. It is my fault. I, so he kind of admits it to her, but not really. I. I mean. I also don't think it's directly his fault. Like, that was just a bad place at the wrong time. Right, but if that was me as parent, I would see that as my fault. Like, if I was driving my car and somebody ran in front of my car and it was their fault, and then I killed them, I would feel that was my fault. Okay, that's that's a different situation. This is like, in the heat of battle, you... Uh, I, I'm gonna say it. She should have she should have called out her name and said like hey I'm behind you. <laughs> we learned that in Applebee's. Yes, you say behind you exactly. or corner. Or, yep. Hot <laughs> plate, left. you know, things like that. <laughs> hot body right here, Perrin. Watch out. <laughs> Actually hot bodies because mm. there's two. There was a baby inside of her. Oh, that's right. And and those somehow parent knows like by looking at those wheel tracks that there was like people he, he could somehow deduce that there was like four people on the left and three travelers on the right. And <laughs> I don't know how he was even making any of those assumptions because maybe the wagon was just heavy, period. And it was empty. Well, he doesn't know anything. There could have been foot tracks. <laughs> eh, don't don't mess up my joke. OK, all right. I won't. I won't. <laughs> <laughs> I need you to because I'm terrible at jokes and I need you to, uh, <laughs> to cut me off at the pass. I uh, mean, they run in. Yeah. They, you were saying they're at the base of the mountain. Uh, they run into these two Othoan in the woods. First off, we got um, it's it's Maria Doyle Kennedy. She plays Isla, who is the, the female to Othan, who has those dreadlocks. And she was previously an orphan black and she's always been an actress that I've always loved. So I was, lo I'd love to see her in this role too. Um, even though I, I wasn't a hundred percent impressed with this entrance, they make them say some kind of, uh, <laughs> the flesh is warm on the fire and I don't oh, know God. the song guys. Yeah. This was weird they, because they got to say this like, platitude and they got to ask this question and answer it correctly and it's they're obviously starving they're obviously like weak and need help and they just have no frame of awareness they being the Tuathan except for Aram he's like the, the guy with the short dreadlocks and the piercing eyes I could not take my eyes wait off Aram yes unless they if they're trying to make sure like I said die aren't around they could be saying something that would be a lie and it's like hey repeat this thing and if they can't repeat it because there is a lie within that they'd be like okay all I said I know the song and if they say that <laughs> that this is just me trying to make sense of a weird scene uh, yeah, I I was right there with you trying to make sense of this weird scene as well because it, it just didn't play out right. And um, to yeah. everyone, don't just if if you walk up to someone in the woods through fog or even not in the woods, 
just like if you're out in an alleyway in a city and it's super dense fog and then you say, hey, what's up? People are going to be scared. Make yourself known before <laughs> the like haze is visible. Say like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm in the fog. I hear you. I see you, I think is something we say on this podcast. And then they'll be like, okay, someone's about to come here. So then maybe once you're walking towards them, start describing yourself. Say like, hey, I'm wearing a Creature from the Black Lagoon t-shirt. I got red pants on, got very tinted (laughs) glasses. And then you walk in and they'll be like, oh, I thought it was sunglass tinted, not blue light blocking glasses. Oh, sorry. I should have said orange tinted glasses. (laughs) Another really weird, odd scene was when they gave, they gave them food and they just kind of sat there with the food in their lap. And then they like just waited for some arbitrary moment to start digging in uncontrollably. And that, again, was some weird direction from Mr. Wayne Yip on this episode. No, I took that as them feeling uncomfortable around them or feeling, right. oh, man, we're going to have to repay this somehow, but we have nothing to repay. And when they say like, hey, we're here to help you. It, because it cle- you clearly need help. Please accept our generosity and we're not going to ask anything in return. Then they're like, oh, okay, hell yeah, we're going to smash this food. <laughs> they smash. They smash that food. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is pretty much where we leave um, Perrin Yeah, right? I have one note on this. These people are being so generous. Perrin is still keeping this huge open gash a secret to everyone. (laughs) He's been in pond water with that. You need it clean, man. I mean, the wolf licked it clean that one time. I guess. But I mean, I don't know if that was enough to, I mean, maybe that, maybe we're supposed to like put our, um, you know, our wheel of time hats on and just assume that that healed the wound. I don't know. Okay. Cause they don't say anything. They don't say anything else about it in the rest of this episode, though, do they? No, but maybe in episode four we see that still gashed open. Because if he said right. something to Egwene, she isn't fully trained as a wisdom, but she could at least be like, "I'm gonna try my hardest to heal this," and it's worth a shot. Right. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because that's, ex- I mean, she being a wisdom's apprentice and just growing up in that village, Egwene already knows some tricks. Mm-hmm. So, you know, she should have be already be able to help him out. At least as well as a dog licking the leg. <laughs> At the very least, Jesus. <laughs> you have a tongue, right, Egwene? Get to it. Or ask someone for a bandage. It's just been gross pant. That's that's chafing your wound. I know. Ugh. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too, rubbing up and down on it. That's the worst. Um, so yeah, we're gonna leave them for episode three, hanging out with they're hanging out with um the Tuathan. I think I said that a couple times. Mm-hmm. They're also known as the Tinkers, and uh, we learn from Aram, who Aram, played by Daryl McCormick from the Vikings. I, I love. I, I gotta say, Dana and Aram both like won my heart in this episode. They're like two of my favorite characters already. Minnesota represent. Hell yeah, he's a football player. No, 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 I no. Know, the TV I know, show, like, I know. Oh, you got me, you joker. <laughs> so let's see. Uh, what else was I going to say about the Tinkers? That they have a bad reputation as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Aram tells us that they're widely mistaken for scoundrels. And they just want to find the song. Which Damn it. seems like it was a one-for-one comparison with the Romani mm-hmm. culture, it seems like. Yeah. 
I would say that. Uh, so we're going to switch over to Nynaeve and Land. They we don't have much for them, but we do see that uh, Land can, leaves. Yes, can I? I just want to quickly confirm that they're they are good people, but people stereotype them as bad people. That's what I was saying. It was a one for one, not like I wasn't being rude or racist there. Oh, gotcha. I mean, I didn't take that as such. But Just in yeah. case other people are like, what is James going on about? Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. We're just going on some fun Wheel of Time talk here, y'all. Call us out if you need to. Actually, I, I know that people are listening, and I, I I don't know who they are, though. So I need you to write in to sweetchildoftimepod at gmail.com or just check up the uh, Instagram and say, hey, I listened. Because I know it's happening, but no one's saying anything about it yet. With the exception of, uh, there is a there is a couple of exceptions. Um, Kiera Sadai, thank you for shouting out. And then I had Alvin as well. So they've, they've reached out, but everybody else do so as well. If you are listening to this right now, hit us up on Instagram. Comment on the most recent episode post with, come over here. <laughs> Please do. All caps as well. We needed all caps. Um, yeah, Lan leaves Nynaeve with Moraine, and this is like the first time, I mean, Nynaeve has been faced with a bunch of crap already. It's only episode three, but she's like, she's murdered and she's done all kinds of stuff. This is the first time we see her scared. Like, it seems like she is scared to be left alone. She's scared for Moraine. Um, she's totally out of her wheelhouse here. She can't heal Moraine, so she's, I think that. I think that that is what she's most scared of, is that she is a wisdom and can't do anything about it. I have this idea. You know how there's like TV, based on TV shows, people make cookbooks based around like Absolutely. characters and whatnot. A lemon meringue pie. <laughs> how would, what, what, how do you think you could mix up a lemon meringue pie to include what she's about? lemon that's all you need because she's she's not a very smiley happy person she's pretty sour all the time actually i think on top you uh what what do you call that when you dri dr gr glaze no, no, no. drizzle uh when you put a torch to it oh yeah yeah um i don't know okay i thought <laughs> nicole would know but she's not here yeah do that on top because like she uses that fire magic and such mm-hmm or maybe put sprinkles on top? I don't know. <laughs> it would have to have some blue in there because she has a blue Aja. True and true. Okay, then swirls of like a blueberry yeah. uh, like filling. Lemon and blueberry pie sounds pretty delicious. Lemon moraine pie. <laughs> the recipe will be available mm -hmm. on sweetshotoftimepod.com. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll have to pay Nicole to make the recipe and then also... It would have to be gluten free. I cannot eat it because it has lemon in it. So it would, <laughs> unless if it's not gluten free, Nicole cannot eat it, and it would just be a waste of food. Yeah, we gotta get, we gotta get this straight. We gotta get our notes together before we even begin this recipe. So let's do that off air <laughs> for right now. Right. We'll get back to we'll get back to Moraine. Uh, well, not to Moraine. She's pretty much unconscious this whole time. Uh, well, she comes out of unconsciousness enough to recognize that she is being led to the group of sisters that are out there in the wilderness. Lan has found the other Aes Sedai sisters. Thank God. 
or think the light, however you want to say it. Think Satan is what James would say. The dark one. Think the dark one. We finally found the sisters. Um, and the sisters have a surprise for us. Leandrin has just captured a man who calls himself the dragon reborn, and he looks like Jesus. So that is the end of our episode. Um, yeah, what did you what did you think about that reveal? He's too old. He's too old by the standards that the prophecy fulfilled, but he's absolutely a man who can channel, and he's absolutely telling people that he's the dragon reborn. Most people deny that fact. Okay, all right, all right. So, yeah, that's that's where we end with this very intense-looking dragon reborn. I wrote down his name somewhere, but he doesn't really play a big part in this episode, um, so I'm just going to skip that for now. Do you think if someone was for real the second coming of Christ or the first coming, depending on your <laughs> uh, your beliefs, do you think in today's climate they would tell people like, hey, I'm this person or they would have to be like, Ooh. I would hope that they would be like wise and thoughtful, but I have this nagging suspicion that they would just blast Facebook with all caps and some some kind of meme saying that I am him and actually I think that would be the deciding factor. If you are doing that, you're clearly not. And if you're not doing that, you clearly are. I agree. I yeah, I, I don't know what the proper way to go about. It. I would think like laying low and like letting other people speak for you, kind of the way Jesus did. Mm -hmm. That would be the proper way, but you're not going to get anybody's attention that way. We live in a society where you got to be snappy, baby. You got to get on TikTok and tell people what you're all about in 15 seconds. Then all of a sudden, Hellboy emerges and he's like, I'm here to protect <laughs> Jesus. Yes. <laughs> I think that's uh, Hellboy seems like he would protect Jesus. I could see Hellboy actually in the Wheel of Time universe, not like maybe, a, you know, a, a, a time appropriate Hellboy, mm -hmm. I would say. Uh, hell yeah. Hell yeah, Hellboy. But yeah, James, we finished talking about episode three. We listened to Utter Scorn. We listened to Champagne Ranger. So now I'm going to listen to you, my friend. Talk about your plugs. Hey guys, go over to MLMPod.com to find out information about my podcast, like Mostly Speaking Sentai and Shuffling the Deck, plus so much more. While you're there, check out the Marshland Monster tab on the website, listen to some of my music, download some of it, or if you're like, hey, I don't want to download anything, I'm all about streaming, baby. Well, you can find Marshland <laughs> Monster wherever music is found. Also, if you're so inclined to... One, support me in the best way possible or help me buy that new Kirby game. Go over to patreon.com forward slash MLM pod where you get exclusive podcasts over there. Five dollars a month gets you a podcast every single Friday. Ten dollars a month gets you some bonus watch alongs and it's a real good time. Heck yeah. Do you want to hear my plugs too, James? Yes, sir. Yay. Okay. I pretty much just have intro void you can find me on spotify i have intro void radio up now love listening to that um i love listening to my own music i'm my own biggest fan you can find me on instagram at intro excuse me intro dot void or you can just search intro void you'll eventually find me it's a little spaceship thingy and it's black and white um yeah and please if you're listening to this then I ask you to drop us a line on my Instagram page, which is Sweet Child of Time Pod. 
which is at Instagram, or I got an email, sweetchildoftimepod at gmail.com. Or while you're over there checking out James's stuff, if you say to Marshland Monster, hey, I like Sweet Child of Time, he will probably tell me, mm-hmm. and then we'll have a good laugh about it. So yeah, let us know what you're listening to. Uh, you can and also, from- uh, on the Marshland Media Discord, I'll send an invite link to uh, you, so to, to Steve, so you can put it in the description. We, we're talking about Wheel of Time on there as well. And rate us on Apple Podcast, and I believe Spotify Podcasts now have a ranking and rating system as well. So give us a rating and a review. Yeah, please do. And yeah, James, James just opened up a Discord for us recently. We haven't talked yet. I've put a meme up there. I think James said hello. We haven't gotten any chatter yet. Get on our Discord and let's start chit-chatting. Tell me how wrong I am. Tell me how much I talked over top of Titanosaur last week. Tell me how much I need to rely on James more for the jokes and need to keep the jokes to myself. No. Tell me all that stuff. Um, keep them jokes James coming, shaking baby. his head. No, just tell me nice things. Make me feel good. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to say to my co-host and to my listeners here, I hope that everybody always finds water and shade in their lives. That was directed to you, James. May you find water and shade in your life as swell. Swell. And until next week, we're here at Sweet Time Sweet Time of Child Pod. You got it. <laughs> saying goodbye. Bye.